Yo, what up, man? Welcome to another episode of the Polly Rob Podcast. I am the counselor, Polly Rob, and I am happy to be here, and I'm happy that you guys are joining in with me. Make sure you subscribe, listen, and subscribe on all the social media podcast platforms. Make sure you check it out uh, if you have Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, uh, Google Podcast, Stitcher Podcast, and now we are on TuneIn. Yo, Polly Rob Podcast is now on TuneIn. You can log in on, uh, download the TuneIn app uh, on your Play Store or your uh, Apple iTunes, where you download your apps and download TuneIn and type in the Polly Rob Podcast. All the episodes come up. I'm very excited about that because. Tune in is a very difficult platform to get on. And the Polly Rob podcast is on it. They curate their podcast and we're on it. So congratulations to us. I say us because you guys are with me. I appreciate that. And uh, of course, you can check it out on YouTube. We have all the episodes on YouTube as well. Just type in Polly Rob or type in the Polly Rob podcast. And I appreciate y'all tuning in. Um, I uploaded some new music to my SoundCloud. I know I use my SoundCloud as like the main like server for uh, my podcast and you've been seeing a bunch of episodes, um, but I wanted to make sure that I upload some new music that uh, that's been released. Um, I uploaded the Mac G uh, record with uh, Hop Out on your head because they have the video out, but I wanted to make sure that y'all get the MP3. Um, so it's on my SoundCloud. Uh, also, uh, there's been some uh, problems going on with the Broken Cuffs 2 project on iTunes. It's still on Spotify and it's still on uh, Google, Amazon and all those other platforms title, but it's not on uh, on Apple Music. So in light of that, what we're going to do is we're going to upload the whole Broken Cuffs project. Uh, to SoundCloud but in the meantime the records that I produce that local astronauts produce is on my SoundCloud so you can go check that out as well make sure you like give a comment and stuff like that Um, and then the record that I produce from the Funk P and Lord Flea project uh, that's uh, on my SoundCloud as well it's called Text Out it's it's, um, Funk P and Lord Flea produced by um, local astronauts and it's called Text Out. Make sure you go check that out. And then all the other records that I continuously drop, I want to make sure I put it on SoundCloud unless me and the artist, you know, discuss and he wants it excuse- exclusively or they want it exclusively um, on their platforms only. I'll make sure I keep uploading it to SoundCloud just so y'all can hear it because, you know, y'all been tuning in with me for this long. I'm going to make sure y'all, y'all listen to all of the records that I've been a part of that I've had the pleasure of working with these amazing artists. Um, excuse me if I sound kind of nasally because I am trying my best to not get a cold. So, uh, this is the time where the medicine ball actually comes in full effect. So right now my medicine ball is not just because I do the podcast and not because I just order it every morning. 
the medicine ball is to actually prevent a cold from happening right now. So I'm going to be drinking it from time to time through this podcast like I usually do. See, I feel better already. So got some new music. Uh, I directed a video this past Sunday. Um, me and Abadru, we directed a video with a, a new group called High Key. You will hear of them very soon. The video was phenomenal. Came together. I can't wait for you guys to see the finished product. Um, we will be dropping a couple of teasers or whatnot very soon. Uh, but the video is phenomenal. We had fun doing that. And we're going to show you the experience of how we got down. And we did that pretty, pretty soon. And we're back to, you know, directing, you know, videos and content and doing stuff like that. Working on a couple of shows. You know what I mean? Uh, it's not just music now. Like we're beefing up our content because we got a lot of the other stuff taken care of for the earlier part of the year. So we're going to fully, fully go in. You know what I'm saying? So you're going to see a lot of content from local astronauts produced by, directed by, curated by local astronauts. So just be looking out for that. Um, and that's going to be fun. So I wanted to have a podcast today. Because I wanted to talk about um, one of my favorite artists, uh, one of the best artists to ever grace the mic. Um, and it's only right we do it on his birthday. It's only right we do it on his birthday. Um, happy birthday, Biggie Smalls, a.k.a. the Notorious B.I.G., uh, known as Christopher Wallace. Um, this is a, a podcast that's going to be, uh, it's going to be really dear to me because it's not just about uh, his life, his music. It's also about my life and how his music has attached to me in so many different ways, so many different ways. Um, so the title of this podcast is called Just a Big Kid from Brooklyn because that's what I am and that's what he was. So we'll get to it. So a lot of people, um, if you've been listening to my podcast or you just know me, you know that I've had the privilege of living um, on both coasts. I've had the privilege of living on the East Coast in New York, in Brooklyn, that is my home. And I've had the privilege of now living uh, in California, in LA, in Inglewood, which is my current home. Um, so this whole current home to hometown thing has always been a balance for me. Uh, whether it was my parents getting divorced and then one side going to the East Coast, the other side going to the West Coast, um, or if it was me you know, deciding to uh, go back to school in either place, whether it's going to college in, in New York, uh, you know, going to high school in L.A., in Inglewood, you know, just so many different variables of how I've been back and forth my entire life from L.A. to Brooklyn. That's been my thing. But today we want to talk about Brooklyn. We want to talk about New York. We want to talk about this whole, uh, this coast that embodies the soul of who I am. And y'all all know, if y'all know me, 
Y'all know I'm a I'm a Tim's wearing shorts, you know, wacky hair, New York accent, crazy son of a gun. Y'all know. Shit talking and everything. Um in light of that, I want I want y'all to just kind of get into the mindset with me really quick before we get to this whole biggie thing. Um, I want to paint the picture for you in New York. I want to paint the picture of where I grew up in New York. Um, 39 Linden Street, uh, right off the uh, J train. It's actually the, 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 the J, the M, and the Z. The J and the M are the trains that run every stop. The Z train is the express train that takes you through Brooklyn all the way to Manhattan, uptown Manhattan. Stops there. Um, liquor store every corner. Um, you know, 39 Linden was uh, a brownstone, so it had uh, three levels to it. It had the, you know, the basement level, uh, the first level and then the second level at the top in that complex. Um, we lived on the floor level. Um, our grandparents lived on the top level and it was always just a family thing. Uh, 37 Linden, uh, my aunt, my aunt boss, which is also my grandma boss. That's another story. Listen to another, listen to my mom podcast, like episode 27. You'll get what that is. Um, so we was all in the whole section family thing. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, going to the corner store, you know, 25 cent juices, uh, 50 cent bag of chips. Um, you know, L.A. got Doritos. The rest of the world got Doritos. New York had Bravos at the time. Bravos was our Doritos. You know what I mean? Same style of chip. You got the Cool Ranch. You got the nacho cheese. But it was just called Bravos. You know what I mean? Uh, you got the cheese popcorn. The famous cheese popcorn that everybody rock with now. You know, we had the small 50 cent bag. It was actually a big bag for what it was. Um... Almost every corner store, it was it was a deli as well. So I was privileged uh, to be able to get a sandwich whenever I wanted. You know those big uh, foot long Subway sandwiches that you get now. We used to get those for two fifty. Y'all spend nine or ten dollars on a foot long sandwich that we would get for two fifty. It's two fifty to get a big ass sandwich. Thin shaved slices of meat, not thick. Thin thin shaved slices. That's the New York way. If you're getting turkey, you know what I mean. Getting turkey on a French roll. Or you can get the ham and cheese with the mayo and the shredded lettuce. You know what I mean? Me, my favorite sandwich was the turkey with the mayo. 
yellow American cheese, mayo on both sides, shaved lettuce, tomato. That's it. That's it. Same sandwich I got when I was five, six years old. Same sandwich I eat now. Shout out to Ralph's because they can kind of get close to the sandwich that I eat in New York. Not that close, but close enough. 25 cent ices. 25 cent little packet of gummy bears. Going to the Chinese food spot. I'm talking about food because I'm a, I was a little fat kid. I'm still a fat kid. Um, we'll get to the other stuff later. Chinese food spot. When you go, you never think that the Chinese food spot got the best chicken in the world. You hear on all the different albums and tapes in the 90s when they talk about going to the Chinese food store you know what I mean? Getting four wings and fries. That was a real thing. That was three seventy-five at the time. Four whole wings. Four whole wings and fries. And how they would do it, they would put, give you the paper bag. They would put the fries at the bottom of the bag. They would put the four wings in the bag and it would give it to you like that and it would give you a side a ketchup they'd give you a side a hot sauce and then they'd give you the packet it wasn't no fucking packet they gave you the the red tube one that had the hot sauce one that had the ketchup and you would have to pour what we would do we would pour our ketchup and our hot sauce in the bag and we would shake it up Shake it up real good so it get all over the fries. It get all over the chicken. And then we rip the bag open. Rip the bag open right down the middle. So it fold out like a plate. And we get busy. That was our meal. If we was to get something on the side, we would get some egg rolls with duck sauce. I didn't say sweet and sour sauce. I said duck sauce. In New York, we eat duck sauce. It's different. Totally different. Feel different, taste different. Ordering shrimp fried rice with extra egg, extra onion. Going to key food with your mom's having her bust down those food stamps, trying to get the best cereal possible. You forfeit three weeks of cereal because you want that one small box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Holiday time, 4th of July, fireworks everywhere, M80s, busting the M80s out the trash can. Holidays, throwing eggs off the roof. Watching the older cats on the bikes getting to it. Revving up their bikes on the street. You already know, once you hear that bike, that means get out the fucking street because they finna rev up and they finna slide through the streets. You know what I'm saying? 
This is New York we talking about. This is Brooklyn we talking about. My home for so many years. Raises in your mouth is a real thing. It's a practice. And then it's a lifestyle. You had to practice that. I never got a chance to really master that. I cut my mouth so many fucking times. But that was a thing. I used to buy comics every week. I used to get lunch money, buy comics every week. The Punisher, X-Men. The same Marvel shit that you watching now as a movie, I read as the actual comic. That's why I can tell you about a lot of stuff that's going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because I used to read it when it was a comic. For real. Saturday afternoons. You in the projects. You in your homeboy's apartment. Homegirl's apartment. Y'all watching kung fu flicks. Watching the moves. Y'all watching wrestling. Y'all mimicking the moves. Body slamming niggas on the, on the bed. You know, this is all the type of things we used to do, man. It's nostalgia. I'm going through a nostalgic point right now. Going to school and realizing that one of your friends is no longer here. Realizing that one of your good friends was just gunned down last night in the alley. Not being able to see him again. That one moment when you're looking outside your bedroom window and you realize, I got to get the fuck up out of here, man. I got to get the fuck up out of here, man. As lovely as it seems, as convenient as it may be, I got to get up out of here before I die, man. Because it ain't no love. It's a little bit of love, but it quickly goes away. Housing is a motherfucker. You see, uh, parents and grandparents that's been living in the same spot for 30, 40 plus years, they rent ain't went up not one dollar. If you somebody new coming into town, you're treated as an outcast because they don't know you. You got to build up the courage and work your way through to become one of them. It's a crazy thing. It's a crazy scene. I'm saying all this because these are things that we all experience growing up in New York. These are the same things that one of our greatest lyrical minds in hip hop was living in when he was creating what he was creating. Biggie was just a fat kid from Brooklyn trying to find his way out. Trying to figure these things out. I identified with that. I identified with him waking up in the morning, going to school, trying to prove himself 
trying to get good grades, being a smart kid, but still talking shit, defying the teacher because he just knew he just knew what he knew. He just wanted to play around. Wasn't a troublemaker at that time. Just wanted to talk shit. I identify with that. I identify with the street corners. Watching from afar, watching up close. Looking at your friends and for a minute thinking to yourself, damn, are they on the right path? Are they on to something? I don't know what's going on. Trying to figure that out. That's the New York scenery. And I know it sounds like a lot of other cities as well. All due respect. It's nothing like Brooklyn, man. Nothing like Brooklyn. Biggie was a dope ass artist. He was dope. And there was some of the, there were some things that made him prolific. Because he was able to apply his life as he knew it and put it into his raps. Where a lot of other people, not saying they will fabricate, but they were so just on just focusing on the rhyme and the pattern and the cadence, they would veer off into whatever they was talking about, which wasn't as relative as what would Biggie do. Even in the freestyle when he battled, when he battled in the street corners, he was always talking some real life shit. It was always something real. And that's what we loved about him. One of the uh, one of my favorite songs. Let's just go down a couple of my favorite songs uh, from the first album, "Ready to Die," the actual song, "Ready to Die." It was so vivid, and at that time, to actually propose that you're equipped and ready to leave this earth was unheard of. It was unheard of. I'm ready to die. Let's think about that for a minute. Hold on. I got to blow my nose. Hold on. This is as real as the podcast is going to get. He was ready to die. Everything that he talked about in that record was leading up to the world being fucked up, the chances he had to take, and the things he had to see. That just made him feel like, man, I could be off this earth anytime. Let me just enjoy it as it go. Lines like, fuck the world, fuck my moms and my girl. My life is played out like a jerry curl. I'm ready to die. Jesus. He really felt that way at that moment. Not saying that he hated his mom, not saying that he hated his girl, but at that point in time when you feel like nothing is progressing, you say things like that. You say things like that. You know, in the midst of robbing, stealing, killing, it's a lot that goes on through your brain. And for him to actually say that, 
He said what a lot of other people were afraid to say. Records like The What, where it showed his lyrical intensity along with another artist that was booming at the time and a group that was booming at the time, Wu-Tang, Method Man. It showed that he can lyrically stand up to the best of them. And now keep in mind, now keep in mind, when Ready to Die came out, Method Man and Wu-Tang was at their strength. Their strength of it, of what they was doing. Meth is coming off a great album. So, for Biggie to be able to live up to that, and we still don't know to this day who won that. We can listen to that song a billion times, and we don't know who won that. Straight up. Sorry about that. I'm trying to get rid of this code. He's lyrically talented. Another record that showed his lyrical ability against a great artist. Brooklyn's Finest. Jay-Z and Biggie. One of my favorite all-time records of all time. Brooklyn's Finest. Now, we didn't get a chance to enjoy that record as much as we would like to. Only because... Jay-Z was a new artist at that time and nobody understood the impact of what Jay-Z would eventually go on to do. But boy, that record was genuine. Boy, that record was dope. He even took shots at pop. But that was another record that Biggie was in his prime at the time and Jay-Z was the newcomer. And still yet, he held his own and he did his thing. And we still don't know who won that either. Biggie's delivery was unorthodox. You never knew when he was going to switch his style. If you listen to him rap, he switches his style every four bars, then two bars, then one bar. You never know when he was going to flip his style. And he was great at the slow flow. Every New York rapper knows that in order for you to be elite, especially elite in New York, you got to have the slow flow. What is the slow flow? Let me explain. Anything that's 94 beats per minute and down between 65 beats per minute and 95 beats per minute is the slow flow barrier, which means that it's not a lot of bouncing. It's not a lot of flavor. This is the tempos where people have to really listen to what you're saying. It's the tempos where your lyrics have to be very captivating Because it's only so many styles and flavors you can do with the song being this slow. It's the slow flow. 
even Jay-Z knew that he had to master the slow flow. Remember, when he started his career, he was rapping fast as shit. And that's all, that's all flavorful. That's dope. But when you get to the slow flow and you're saying some of those prolific things, it's just more captivating. 65 beats per minute to 95 beats per minute. That's the bracket that if you were to have a speech on stage, these are the lyrics and these are the words at how you would present them in that tempo bracket. It's equivalent to being on a big panel and talking your shit. Anything over those beats per minute, anything over 95 beats per minute, it's like fast talk. It's all fast talk. It's all, you know, here, high and by, whatever. Anything below uh, 65 beats per minute is, you know, something very slow, something more melodic. You're going to sing it, you know, more in the R&B context, stuff like that. Anything between, it's all slow flow territory. And let me tell you, some of the best artists master the slow flow. Rakim, Nas, Biggie, Jay-Z, Ice Cube, uh, who else? Uh, KRS-One, uh, L. Cool J. These are artists that master the slow flow, which means that it's every word, every line is captivating. Their voice Captivating. That's what Biggie had. Biggie mastered the slow flow. That's what it is. I used to get fields on the bitch. Now I throw shields on the dick. To stop me from the HIV shit. Cause niggas stick up soft like a Twinkie feeling. Playing the villain. Prepare for this rap killing. Biggie Smalls is the illest. His style is play is wild out or so, something like that. I forgot. I forgot. But it was fire. Slow flow. I can say it slow and be captivating. That's what the slow flow is. He was one of the masters at it. Songs like Kick in the door. Kick in the door, wave in the 4 4. All the herbals pop a door, it be no more. This is for those that, who, that choose to use disrespectful views on the king of NY. Fuck that. Why try? Cold bleach in your eye. Come on, man. Lines. Lines. The slow flow, man. Another gift that Biggie gave you. He was very bold. He was very, very bold. Lines that he would say nobody would want to say. I think he took a page from uh, the era of N.W.A. Because before before Biggie and before a lot of artists like Biggie. New York would explain street life and explain things 
in a intellectual context. You know, they would explain how things would go without being so vulgar and so vain. That's where NWA came in, changed that whole narrative. So Biggie decided to play with those two words, those two worlds. And I liked it because he would make songs that the average person wouldn't make. For instance, give me the loot. Give me the loot. Give me the loot. I'm a bad boy. Give me the loot. Give me the loot. The man said in the song, and for the original copy, they blurted it out, but I pretty much got it off the rip. He said, I wouldn't give a fuck if she pregnant. Give me the baby rings and the number one mom pendant. Jesus. You said that in a song? That's how bold Biggie was. Man, listen. All this walking is hurting my feet. Ooh, money looks sweet. Where at? And in, in, in the Zuzu Jeep, man. I throw him in a fiend. You grab the fucking cream. And if you start to scream, bang, bang. I have a nice dream. Ooh. Man, vividly painting pictures of him robbing people. Not how to rob in the industry. Not robbing rappers. No. Robbing niggas in the streets. He had a whole song that personified the stick up kid era. Listen to Gimme the Loot. He's talking about the entire stick up kid era. The era where, which like a lot of my friends did, niggas didn't have no money. Niggas wasn't no drug dealers. Niggas need a way to get money. Stick up kids. Snatching purses. Robbing grandmas. He talked about that era. That's a real thing. That's a real thing. Don't agree with it, but it was life. Straight up. Where the whole concept of you having a women having to clutch their purse. And niggas having a tuck they chain. That era. He explained that entire era in that one song. Serious shit. His lyrics were very, very bold. Very bold. Records like Suicidal Thoughts. The man made a record about taking his own life. Now, I'm going to be honest. Before this record came out, before I heard this record, I didn't know too much about what suicide was. I'm a kid. I know what it means, but I don't have any recollection of uh, this type of situation ever coming to my door 
we black folks, we don't just experience suicide like that. That's just that's not on our plate. That's not our thing. No disrespect to no other races, but that definitely ain't our thing. Black folks, it's not our thing. So this song was the first time I I got a chance to visualize what the essence and the concept of a real suicide would be like. You know what I'm saying? Very nerve-wracking. Very heart-wrenching. He starts off with, when I die, fuck it, I want to go to hell because I'm a piece of shit. It's not hard to fucking tell. That's crazy. He already starts off with him not believing in nothing about himself. That's what suicide is, is when you have full disregard of the greatness of yourself. That's it's being stripped away. Going to heaven with the goody goodies dressed in white. I want black Tims and black hoodies. I want to live exactly how I live. How I live in Brooklyn, I want to live like that wherever I'm going in the afterlife. These are words that at this time, I'm not even a teen yet. I'm getting all of these bars. I'm getting all of these bars and and every other kid is getting these bars. See, understand that I can easily talk about the big papas and the, uh, it was all a dream. I used to read word up. I can talk about that. All that was great. All that was great, but that that's not what this episode is about. This episode was about how he was able to, touch on other elements of what real street life and what real people was going through prior to any other artist doing it. This record suicidal thoughts was pre XXX Tatashion and all of the records that these new records that these artists is talking about suicides and killing themselves and doing all that type of shit. Biggie did that before anybody in its truest form. And then the ending part, which, which I'm not going to lie, really scared me. Cause you know, you got to realize listening to this thing in your Walkman, in your ears, is a different effect than listening to it on loudspeakers. I got my little Sony headphones on, my Sony Walkman, and I'm listening to this album. I'm listening to this album. And at the end of this project, he's talking about suicidal thoughts. He's talking, and I man, when I read the 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 names of the songs and I seen suicidal thoughts, I'm thinking it's just a record. Like, oh, he just 
lyrically talking about rappers committing suicide. That's the first thing I thought about. I'm not thinking this man is finna literally explain how he hates his life and he's finna kill himself on audio. I got my Sony headphones in and I hear the last, let me just go to the end of it. I reach my peak. I can't sleep. Call my man chief. Tell me, tell him that my will is weak. I'm sick. I'm sick of bitches lying and I'm sick of niggas talking. Uh, sick of bitches hawking. Matter of fact, I'm sick of talking. And the gun goes off. Wow. This is what a 10 year old, a nine year old like me was listening to. At that time in Brooklyn, on my project stairs, in the projects, in the brownstones. This is what we end up indulging in. And I loved every bit of it, but it changed the way I used to look at my life as I knew it. The records on Ready to Die made me understand that there's an underlining world that I don't see that I need to wake up to. That's what was great about Biggie. That's what was great about him. And the last thing that I loved about Biggie and I always talk shit about this all the time. Biggie was the first artist a part of the ugly nigga movement. I talk about now anybody that knows me, I'm always saying ugly niggas is winning. Ugly niggas is winning. That's what it's about. And what I mean by that is not in a context that I deem myself as a truly ugly person or um, I'm moving in a manner of being ugly. Not none of that. I'm talking about the concept of not worrying about what looks can actually do for you. This is the time, like Biggie's era, Raekwon, Wu Tang, uh, Mob Deep, Helter Skelter. This is the era of showing true personality. Outside of just lyricism and music. The one thing that I loved about Biggie was. Let's keep it real. He was an ugly nigga. He was cockeyed, fat cat. He was an ugly nigga. Dark skin. Ugly motherfucker. Let's, let's keep him 100. But the man was so confident in everything that he did. Y'all heard the stories of how many women he had. And. Yo, these are stories that are not like you got the money and then you had the women. No, you had women before you had the money. It's a real thing. You have to understand what that does to. Excuse me. You have to understand what that does to a young fat kid in Brooklyn. My apologies. One second. 
Okay, I'm back now. Once again, you have to understand what that does to a young fat kid in Brooklyn. You have an ugly cat that's on the radio and these women love him. That's giving me ultimate confidence. Ultimate. Understanding that it's not about the shoes, not about the clothes, not about how much money you got, not about none of that. It's about being charismatic, listening, having an ear, being funny, having humor. All of those other elements that they don't show you on TV. On TV, they show you the best looking woman, the best looking man having a conversation. Cosby shows show you the best perfect looking family. Theo was a handsome motherfucker. They don't show you somebody like Biggie being an ugly nigga, having charm, having swag, having charisma, knowing how to work his way through the room, knowing how to be a standstill force within a room. They don't show you that. So you can imagine what that did for me and my psyche. I'm like, oh, no, I'm a fat kid. Don't mean nothing. I got swag. I could do my thing. I'm funny. I know how to work my way around the room. And of course, still to this day, it translates. I always say ugly nigga movement. Always. Because when I say ugly nigga movement, it's about moving in a manner that you don't care what nobody thinks about you. You're going to get what you came to get. If I want that woman, I came to get her. Ugly nigga movement. If I want this job and I want this position, I came to get it. Regardless of what you think about me. Ugly nigga movement. And I don't know if there's a pretty nigga movement because it look like to me like pretty niggas be so worried about their looks and their abs and how people perceive them. I don't know. I don't know. I just know the ugly nigga movement don't give a damn. We finna get to it. We getting straight to it. Oh, my dreads is not done today. So what? I can still, I can still pull something. So, so what? Oh, I ain't got a suit on. So what? I can still get in the banquet and do my thing and still get a deal done. So what? So what? Biggie was the ultimate embodiment of confidence and these are some of the reasons of why we celebrate his life we definitely not celebrating his death I'm not doing that I'm sorry I'm not celebrating no March 9th and neither should anybody celebrate the actual death of somebody leaving this earth go to their birthdays Celebrate that. Celebrate the release of their project. Celebrate the life of them. That's what we're here to do today. We're here to celebrate the life of Biggie. Because he still lives through all of us, especially me. He lives through my playlist. Best believe today, I will be playing an absurd amount of Biggie 
from albums to freestyles to remixes to re-remixes to EDM mixes. I don't care. It got Biggie on it. I'm playing it. I'm playing it. Because we lost him so young and we lost him too soon. But the words of what he left us still lingers. Still lingers forever. I'll always be known as the little fat kid from Brooklyn. And I've had the privilege in the same era to watch a little fat kid from Brooklyn blossom into something amazing. And I thank him for that. I thank him for the lessons that he gave me. I thank him for the music he's provided me. Still to this day, we have the ability to re-listen to these songs and decode what he meant, what he was saying, have an idea about the things that was going on in his life at the time. We have the ability to do that. I'm forever grateful. And of course, if you want to dance, if you want to, you know, move, you can listen to Hypnotize, you can listen to Juicy, you can listen to Big Papa, you can... You can get to all of that. Sky is the limit. You can get to all of that. You know me. I'll be listening to the grimy shit. Straight up. Other records like Niggas Bleed, uh, Kick in the Door, uh, Somebody's Gotta Die. Uh, even when uh, I, got, I got a story to tell when he was talking about the basketball player. Like all the, He was vivid with the stories. The only other uh, artist that I could think about that's vivid with the stories the same way he was was Slick Rick and Ice Cube and a little bit of Too Short. What happened to the stories? What happened to cats telling stories about what's going on? Let's get back to that, man. Let's get back to telling ill stories. You know what I'm saying? I'm definitely taking a trip back to New York real soon. I'm getting a little homesick just talking about it. And the first thing I'm going to do when I get off the plane is go straight to the Chinese joint and get my four wings fried hard with my fries, put my ketchup and my hot sauce in the paper bag. I'm going to shake that motherfucker up. I'm going to thank God. I'm going to rip the middle of the bag open. I'm going to get busy. Last thing before I go. Last thing before I go. Um, to show the full appreciation of what Brooklyn had to Biggie on his funeral day, they took one last ride of his body and his casket down the Brooklyn streets. And the amount of people and the amount of praise that he was received was not matched by anyone. And I think that that day, because not even, all due respect, not even Pop got that. I think that day has set the tone 
to how we should give thanks and celebrate our artists that's gone. When they rode his casket down those streets, I was, first off, I, I, I wanted to be there. I didn't have a privilege of being there. But when they start playing this music and they play that hypnotized, I could see the videos of them people going crazy. It's laughter, it's heartbreak, it's dancing, it's people falling to their knees. You can tell everybody there just wanted to show their appreciation for what he did for the culture. For what he did for the culture, not just Brooklyn, not just New York, but for the culture. His personality was bigger than his music. And the only way we can show our appreciation is to show him the love and give our personalities to this game the way he did. I'm a man in this game. I chose this life. I chose music like he did. And the best way to be able to help fulfill his constant dream of making it out the hood, making it out of Brooklyn, making it out of poverty, making it out of what the naysayers say about you is to bring the best part of your personality, bring it out, and let people see who you truly are. And I think that's what he did ultimately. He made everybody appreciate and respect who he truly was. If he was suicidal, it was real. If he was happy, it was real. If he was funny, it was real. Everything that he did, it was real. And no matter what beefs he had, none of that stuff, no one can say that Biggie wasn't full of life because that's what he was. So today and any other day, I want y'all to celebrate Biggie, listen to his music, bang it, have conversations about it, Talk about him and the greatest artist of all time. Continue to keep him in your top five. And dream big. This is the Polly Rob Podcast, man. I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Make sure y'all, y'all subscribe on uh, all the podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, TuneIn, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts. Uh, make sure y'all always tune in, man. If y'all leave comments, man, I love comments. I love reading them. Um, and I appreciate y'all tuning in. You already know I'm a Brooklyn kid, so I had to do a Biggie episode. Y'all know what it is. I had to do it. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I'm finna go enjoy my day to some uh, to some Biggie. See y'all later, man. Peace.